a student at Oxford University, finds himself drawn into the world of a charming and aristocratic classmate who invites him to his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. This is Saltburn. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Nosebleed AV Club. And as you heard, we are talking Saltburn. What a movie. <laughs> what, Amazing. What a, uh, a sequence of events. It might be the most film ever. Yes, it was definitely a movie. 2023's gay baitiest movie, if you will. Mm. <laughs> I mean, is it even baiting? <laughs> it, like, I mean, it goes there. <laughs> it's, not as, it's not as gay as you think. It's not as gay as you think. Straighter than you think. Straighter than, yeah. <laughs> Saltburn, straighter than you think. <laughs> not as gay. Not as honestly, not that gay. <laughs> Dude, the old the old master bait and switch. Mm. What can you say? Mm. I feel a, very cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, surprisingly enough as a straight male, came out of that movie theater just saying, not gay enough. Yeah, not gay enough. Weird, not but gay not gay enough. enough. That's, you that's, know? that actually, I mean, we're skipping ahead, but that's my feelings on this movie is weird, but not yeah. gay enough. I felt gayer coming out of Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Saltburn stars. <laughs> Barry Keoghan as Oliver, our main character. And you might know Barry from bangers such as Dunkirk, The Batman, The Killing of the Sacred Deer, and of course, The Beloved Eternals. <laughs> Who could forget? I didn't even know he was in that. I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, yeah, he's in it. That's all you need to know. Fucking love Barry, man. Wonder Boy. <laughs> Resident Hot Guy Felix is played mm. by Jacob Elordi, known for Euphoria, Priscilla, and the Kissing Booth Trilogy. <laughs> yes, there's three of them. <laughs> I'm like genuinely curious. Like, how do you make that three movies? I, you, you know, know what? Life finds a way. <laughs> Farley is played by our boy, Archie Medeque from Midsummer and our most recent episode of, well, no, actually... Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Our second most recent episode, Gran Turismo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, everyone did their thing in this movie. God damn. I will say that. Oh. Sorry. Oh. Hold on. Hey. Hey, shut up. Okay, we're good. Archie, man. It was good to see him do, like, fucking act. Uh, I oh, mean, Because in Gran Turismo, like, you don't really get a feel for, like, what he's capable of. This movie mm-hmm. shows it off. A lot. So, I mean, like, can I, like, let's just get, like, kind of right into it then, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, let's, let's, just, let's just get this, let's just get this hand job over. Let's with, go, you know? man. Uh, I let's mean, like, bathwater. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> like, I just want to say, like, yes, this, the cast, I think overall the cast in this movie did a really good job. Yeah. I think, I don't think there was any, like, there was no anybody that, there was, like, no weak links per se, but, like, I just want to say that, like, Archie and Barry, man, fucking carried oh, this movie. Oh, Jesus, like, dude. 100%. They were, they were acting their little asses off. Oh, bro. yeah. Like, their, oh, yeah. their dynamic throughout the movie and then just their scenes in general, mm-hmm. like, 
they were fucking amazing. Not to shortchange Jacob Elordi, but he really didn't have to do much. What I will give him mm-hmm. credit for is his character, like everything, every line he said, every action he did felt very sincere, which mm-hmm. I think is um, th- something that might go a little underappreciated with this movie because of the performances by Barry and Archie. I think with Jacob, like, even though like his character, like, so the movie like revolves around his character. We'll get kind of into the nitty gritty of that later, mm-hmm. but like the movie revolves around his character, but like, like Matt says, like he doesn't really have to do much, mm-hmm. but like, I think it's like a little bit in like his body language and like the little bit of like his little mannerisms that I feel like he really does like do a really good job of like portraying, who this person is like, Mm -hmm. like what this character is all about, like the little subtleties Mm -hmm. in like in him, you know, he plays hot guy from afar very well. Like the mannerisms in like how he speaks to people, like when you're stalking him, you know, from a (laughs) distance, like he just kind of like, I could see how Barry sees him, you know what I'm saying? Like I could see why he's mesmerized with him, you Mm -hmm. know, like goddamn, like I'm starting to feel like attracted to him, you know, like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like he just mm-hmm. gives that energy very well in this movie. Mm-hmm. I will say this though, fellas, if you're thinking about getting an eyebrow piercing after watching this movie, don't, you're not going to pull it off. It's not for you. Mm. Just don't. No, no, <laughs> just don't No, s- stick to snake bites. You fucking pleb. <laughs> Yo, I had snake bites for a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the thing though. Like the piercing does bring up an interesting point as I like this movie takes place in a time where that was kind of like a really big thing, especially that type of piercing in general, you know, this, so this movie takes place in the year 2006. Now I know what you're thinking. Like it doesn't look anything like that. And you'd be right. <laughs> there's, there's Wait, not a lot. It's 2006 fish. in London or in London, in sure. wherever UK. I don't know where specifically. But like, you know, so there's a part in this movie where uh, funny enough, there's like a scene where they're watching Superbad, and yeah. I just like had this moment of like, oh, like it's so serendipitous that Superbad is referenced or shown in this movie because that is another movie that takes place in mo- in like semi modern times, but you can't fucking tell what era it is because they all dress in a certain way that makes it look like it takes place way further back in time, like the 70s or something. This movie has like the same thing where like the way that people are dressed and how it's shot and the aesthetics that it revolves around. Like it almost feels like this movie takes place in like the nine, like early nineties, but there was parts in this movie where it was really jarring to me. Like when a song would come on, for example, like there's a part in this movie when satisfaction comes on (laughs) and it's just like, this just feels so out of place with visually what I'm seeing on the screen here. Or like there's a part in the movie when someone is singing flow rider, and it's like, again, it's just like, oh, that's right. We're in 2006. I actually didn't feel that way about that this movie, mm. that it, it like was looking older than it was. Um, in 2006, I was a freshman in high school. So um, it didn't seem that out of place to me, actually. Also, Farley's hair was inspi- inspired by Corbin Blue. Mm. <laughs> okay. I just read that. I fact. that. Yeah, yeah. So... But yeah, you're right. Um, it, this does play, p- take place in 2006. I believe at one point, uh, fucking Felix is rocking a uh, Livestrong bracelet. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't even pick that up. Yeah, I didn't see that. It was on, like, you could just see it, like, uh, I think the dinner scene or the breakfast scene. That's, 
That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess we should go into initial thoughts. I, I saw the trailers for this movie, and to me, this movie does the thing that's very popular in like a lot of movies these days in the post A24 era, right? Where like everything is trying to be artsy and mysterious in their marketing, you know, because they see what A24 is doing. They see how successful they are with like marketing their movies and building intrigue, you know, for something, especially like something like this, which I don't think got a theater run, right? Like it was all Amazon prime. Uh, I'm not sure. Actually, that's a good question. Let me look it up. Go ahead though. Continue. The marketing for this movie, it was like, wow, this looks really weird. This looks very unique. It did have me interested, but I couldn't really tell what the hell it is. But then when you actually watch this movie, it honestly feels really normal. Like, it doesn't feel as weird as it might have portrayed itself to be or how I thought it was going to be coming in. Like, granted, there are some weird moments in this movie. Let me not say weird, but like... There's moments in this movie that you could tell it's really trying to go for like that edginess that like a lot of the other artsy A24 movies have. But if you set, if you take those moments out of this movie, this is a pretty straightforward movie. Like it doesn't really try to pull anything over your, you know, head. The twist, you know, I didn't necessarily see coming. Like it did still surprise me. I, you know, I saw other things coming, you know, mm. but not the twist. <laughs> but like even though like I didn't necessarily see the twist coming, it was one of those things like, Oh, okay. Like got it. Like I wasn't like mind fucked by the end of it. Or like there wasn't things where like, I felt the need to like watch a video, like explaining things that I didn't understand or whatever. Like I do with most other movies, Mm -hmm. like from like this type of like, like a 24 type shit for this. It was like, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward story. There's you know, nothing that I felt like I missed or like didn't understand. Like, it all came together like pretty like understandably for me. Like I think this movie was a lot of fun. Like I'm not going to sit here and say it was like the most well-made movie ever, but like I had a lot of fun watching it. Like I thought certain scenes were done extremely well. I thought the soundtrack was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like the soundtrack for this movie is amazing. They did a really good job of tapping into a very particular audience that being like the twee Tumblr era like audience that would have been starting to sprout up around this time, you know, like that kind of crowd. And like, I think it really captures that essence of like what rich preppy kids would have been like around this time, what they would have been listening to, how they would have been acting. Like this movie, I think does a good job of like tapping into that. But yeah, overall, like I really enjoyed this movie, but it does definitely have its flaws. What about you? You're right where this movie is pretty straightforward. Um, almost to a fault, I feel like, because mm-hmm. for that reason, the weird scenes in this movie just are weird just for the sake of being weird. Mm-hmm. The only thing they contribute to this movie is making it memorable. Because if you mm-hmm. remove those scenes, this becomes kind of just like, okay, whatever. Like it's pretty forgettable in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I will say the cinematography was beautiful. Uh, I mm-hmm. love the choice to go four, three aspect ratio. So I actually was like having, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. But actually just, oh, okay. I was just going to say like, I actually had a moment where I was like, I wasn't sure what the 4-3 aspect ratio was doing for the movie, but Mm -hmm. Janice kind of made a good point where I was like, you know, this movie is all about the aesthetics Mm -hmm. and like the vibe and the feeling of that time almost in a way, right? Like it's almost like a time capsule and like 
high definition didn't exist back then. Four three was the standard ratio. So was, in that sense, yeah, I was still like the standard ratio. Uh, I was like, oh, in that sense, like okay, like this kind of contributes to that feeling mm-hmm. of what the time was. I think we just nowadays in the year twenty twenty four, we associate the four by three aspect ratio with like things purposefully trying to be yeah. different or arty because it is but trending it, um, right now. Yeah. But I, I also read that the director shot it that way uh, to also make it feel like you're kind of peeping in. Mm. So there's like a double okay. purpose to it, which is pretty cool. Okay. So yeah, the aspect, the cinematography was beautiful. You're right. The music was awesome. There's one uh, song choice in particular that I really liked what they did with. Uh, we might have the same one. <laughs> we might. I was intrigued by the movie the, the entire time I was watching it. Um, I saw, I honestly saw all the twists happening because they they kind of telegraph it pretty heavily, in my opinion. The only thing I didn't understand is, well, I, I, I'll wait till we delve into that part of the movie, but I did see the twist happening. I will say this. The, the issue I had was that when I was looking at this movie, because I didn't watch the trailer at all. I went into this movie completely blind. Now my dogs are going crazy. What is happening? I know, dude. <laughs> so uh, I went into this movie completely blind. Didn't watch the trailer, just knew about... Um, I didn't even know about the other weird scenes. I only knew about the dance scene at the very end. So when I looked it up, I saw, I was like, oh, comedy. I didn't think it was that funny, like enough to have it labeled as a comedy. There was only like two parts that actually like made me laugh. And then the other parts are just like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. I think the movie's very witty. Like, I think the movie does is... There's a lot of moments where like the... I'm amused by like what's happening or the conversation that's happening. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, like that, you know, you could say that like, that's kind of what like a new wave comedy almost is like these days, you know, like just quirky and smart and witty. But like, I will say that like this movie did make me laugh like pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was I mean, one scene that in particular that made me laugh really, really, really hard. Yeah. Like I was cracking and up. Yeah, it's really just like one or two scenes in general that like made me like laugh pretty hard. All other mm-hmm. than that, everything else, everything I I found was pretty witty. What was the uh, what was the scene that uh, made you uh, laugh? At least one of them. <laughs> uh, I guess I mean if you're watching this, you've seen the movie, or you don't care uh, about yeah. what happens in the movie. But the one that made me really laugh was the the breakfast scene after they discover Felix dead. <laughs> that one was fucking hilarious oh my god why dude it was just fucking awesome it was fucking hilarious everything about it was so funny i mean the 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 wheeling scene the wheeling audible noise that was pretty funny but just everything just we'll 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 save the discussion for that if we go deeper yeah. into it, this is a little yeah, early yeah. to be talking about that. Let's just get this part out of the way. Like, let's just talk about the music first and foremost, oh, yeah. yes. just because I do. So, you know, what we were talking about Super Mario Brothers uh, the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things we said about that movie was like the licensed music just has no place in this movie whatsoever. Like it just is unnecessary and not needed. And honestly, I feel like you can make that argument about a lot, like more than half of the movies that come out these days in like hollywood Mm -hmm. this movie i feel like is one of the few that i feel like absolutely nails it from all the choices that they make where they place them in the movie i think for the purpose that the song is supposed to serve in that moment i feel like the director she really had a good grasp on like 
what these songs instill in people when they when they listen to it or like what the feeling you're supposed to feel is from these songs sometimes even better than the artists themselves you know <laughs> depending on how they shoot these goddamn music videos i can't say enough good things about the music there's two songs in particular that i think fucking hit the best okay in my opinion but like the first one and i'm thinking this was and correct me if i'm wrong but i think this is the move this is the song that you also have in common okay Something that you may not know about me and Matt, we both are really, really big fans of Block Party. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that, there is a use of my favorite Block Party song, uh, This Modern Love, mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. At, towards the beginning, it's very early on. It is, yeah. But this movie nails like... 100%. F- 100% nails how that song makes me feel 100%. inside. 100%. And like even when just the song, song subject matter, and it's just yeah framed so perfectly with what's going on, framed so perfectly with what's happening, and it just hits, it hits so hard when it comes in. Like it just yo, I it I don't know if I've ever seen the music video for this modern love. I don't even know if there is one, but like I don't know if it's gonna hit as bad as well as how this <laughs> well, movie. It's also like if you yeah. uh, if you are kind of familiar with Block Party and and their lead singer and how he was um mm-hmm. uh, homosexual as well. Um, and how he kind of dropped hints in his music to to mm-hmm. kind of express that without being out fully. I don't remember when he came out. I don't know if he was out yeah. around the time that song came out. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but his Not own sure like expression of it in that mm-hmm. song, and then framing or pairing that song with these with what's happening in this movie was just like Chef's Kiss. I was like, like that yeah, was dude, that's an amazing you, like, call. This director is tapped. In yeah. with like the indie music scene. I bro. need to like give her her due credit. Hold on. Scene. Emerald Fennel, writer mm-hmm. and director of this movie. Emerald, you nailed yeah. it. Yeah, like absolutely murdered that scene. Speaking of murder, <laughs> <laughs> my second big hit is the ending. Like, and I think this is like the scene that a yep. lot of people are going to talk about. Like, Janice, like, I guess she, we hadn't seen the movie yet, but Janice, like, I guess had heard that the song, heard about the scene or something because she played the song in the car. So okay. she had liked it previously. Um, and I was like, oh, this song's great. I like this song a lot. So yeah. like, save it, whatever. We watched the movie later that night. And then when that part comes on, I'm like, oh, this is the song you were playing earlier. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I heard, I knew it was in the movie. And it's like, it is so well done. It's a like, damn good song. And, and that scene is banger dude and that seems great Barry's dance like the choreography like i don't know if it was barry improving it i think a it was bit, mixed in with yeah mixing with some choreog- choreographed moves whatever it was it was fucking great dude this is like one of the best scenes in the entire movie like from shot like composition to like barry's like dancing and how the camera follows him around the house mm-hmm. to even like and again it, i don't know if it's entirely improv i don't know if there were some choreographed sequences but like even like the tastefulness of the penis shots, you know, <laughs> it was just fucking. It was all super well done, dude. Yeah. Like nope. At no part does it feel like gratuitous. At no part does it feel like overdone. There's like just little marks that he hits here and there. Mm-hmm. That's just fucking awesome. Like there's like the part where he does the bump of coke. There's the part where like he like looks at himself in the mirror. Ah, it's just it's so well done. And like to me, those are like the two biggest hits in the movie in terms of like music. I agree. Do you have any other ones that stood out to you at all? No, those were honestly the two. Um, mm-hmm. Like the original score actually was really good too. Like just like the little uh, orchestrations they had during like certain scenes was good. Like overall, the music in this movie is just bang on. Like 
Nailed it. We're talking around uh, some things here, so I mm-hmm. think we should probably like let's just address the uh, the elephant in the room. Let's address the uh, the grave in the room, if you will. <laughs> um, let's Are let's we address going the directly to that scene. Let's address the cum in the bathtub, if you will. So, you, <laughs> so should we just go all the obscene scenes, basically? So, so, so like, so I was gonna say, like, there's three. Yeah. Act, there's three. I would say points in this movie. There's three main points in this movie where they take the edge o meter like to the edge. You mm-hmm. know, uh, two of them happen very close to one another, and then the uh, and then the last one happens like you know towards the end of the movie. There is a period eating out scene. There is a sucking cum out of the bathtub bathwater scene, and then there is a fucking the grave scene. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go in sequence. Let's let's go in sequence and then let's each give our thought in sequence of each one. So why don't you go first with the uh, with the period scene? I think is the first one that comes. Wait, no, sorry. No, it's the bathtub scene that happens first because I actually thought about this. You're right. I actually had a thought about this. So I had a thought about this scene, too. All right. When this scene happened again, I went into this movie completely blind, only knowing at some point you see this dude's dong, like you see Barry's dong right Mm -hmm. that's all i knew about like the 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 crazy scenes so immediately when you when you see him peeping in on felix doing his thing Mm -hmm. and then you see him walking i'm just like oh no oh (laughs) no don't tell me don't tell me he's gonna do this and then of course your brain was already already going there yes of course okay because again it's we live in a time where we uh you know, we're very heavily on the internet and mm-hmm. streamers selling bathwater was a thing. <laughs> so, of course, my brain was going, oh, no, please don't. And, of course, this movie, it shoots, it's very well shot. And it, and it <laughs> makes you so uncomfortable because it just zooms in hard shot on just the drain. And then you just see fucking Oliver just creep his fucking little head there and just start slurping. <laughs> And and consuming and guzzling the cummy bathwater. And it is so revolting. It is so disgusting. Like I, I don't I don't know why, but I feel like it being bathwater rather than just like his cum makes it so much worse for some reason, even though it's diluted. It's just that much more foul. But I did have like an epiphany about that scene later on mm-hmm. in the movie, like after that scene happens and then like the sequence of events that follows that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you noticed this, but mm-hmm. after, he, after he consumes the essence of Felix, that's, he becomes more Rizzy. That's when he fucking turns, baby. He becomes the Rizzler, <laughs> baby. Yes. The Jizzler. <laughs> the Jizzler Rizzler, yeah. bro. The Jizzler Rizzler, <laughs> The Jizzler baby. Rizzler. The ri- it was the Riz Jizz. Yes. <laughs> he drank the, the elixir of life. essence of Felix, baby. Yeah. Revitalized no, I, him. So that'll go into what we talk about next. Because, okay. like, yeah. You know. So. But, like, if you couldn't tell from my reaction earlier when you were talking about this scene, this is the scene where I fucking laughed so fucking hard. Like, I was dying. Bro, I was like, so grossed it, out. <laughs> it was, I was like, it was, it was just so absurdly shot. We're yeah. like, Barry's like making love to like the drain. Oh, so 
fucked up. And it it was fucking cracking me up so much, dude. It was hilarious to me. I thought Barry, like Barry, acted his little fucking ass off, dude. I'm was it acting? Dog. I'm not so sure anymore. Oh, dude, that's the best <laughs> part. That's the best. I'm part not so sure tell. anymore. There's look, listen, look. There's a lot to unload with this scene, you know. And like, and I'll tell you why think- I'm not so sure anymore because this okay. plays into the last scene we're going to talk about. No, like, look. There's a lot to unload with this scene. You know, this is, you know, this shit like this to unload and slurp up. (laughs) Shit like this is what I came for, you know, when I came watch this movie. And what you came to. (laughs) You know, like, I'm trying to think of other jizz innuendos I can wheel in here, but I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) I was going to make something about shooting rope, but I couldn't think fast enough of how to breathe that in. (laughs) 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 But, uh, no, yeah, like, you you get feelings of Barry being a fucking weirdo and a creep throughout the movie. Like there's mm-hmm. like a part early in the movie where he's like outside of Felix's window watching him like bang some chick. And like, okay, like you understand that Barry's a fucking weirdo. You understand that once he gets the salt burn, there's gonna be some weird shit that happens. I will say this, based on the marketing of this movie and the trailers, it makes you feel like it's Felix's family that's gonna be fucking weird. Which they are. They have their own little quirks. But, like, it's really Barry that's driving everything, you know, or uh, Oliver that's driving everything, you know? Yeah. With, like, all the weird shit that happens. He's done weird shit up until this point, And, like, you can see how he would do something like this. But it is so absurdly, like, the trajectory of how absurd and weird he gets this scene like takes a huge leap to where it's almost like too fast you know it kind of just came too fast you know where like it's just absurdly like absurd like it really Mm -hmm. is just like too it's almost too much of a jump like i feel like there should have been a few more other scenes of him doing like weirder stuff that gradually built up to this moment because that's where it kind of just like this actually wasn't intended. It just kind of comes out of nowhere in a weird way. Like, you know, like it just feels like they're just doing this to get a reaction. Exactly. Like, what you were saying earlier. Yeah. Like it feels like they're, it, 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 it doesn't feel gradual. It doesn't feel smooth. Like how they get here. It just kind of happens and you kind of accept it because he's done other weird things yeah. prior to this. But in my opinion, it's, it's quite the jump the, yeah. that they make in weirdness. Uh, but going into the next scene, right. Post, post nut clarity. <laughs> he, uh, well, uh, he becomes more Comes, charismatic. Yes, he does. Yeah, he becomes more. There, this is not going to stop throughout the rest of the podcast. Every no. little like jizz joke that happens, you know, yeah, we're going to point out. But he just becomes like way more charismatic after this because not too long after that scene is the scene where he rizzes the fuck out of Felix's sister. Like, plays her, dude. Like a goddamn fiddle. Like, you think that she's one of those girls or characters where it's like, she's the one that's going to seduce him, and she's the one that's, like, gonna throw him away at the end, but then he just comes in and fucking destroys her, dude. Slays that dragon, you know? This scene sucked. (laughs) (laughs) This scene scene was fucking stupid. Of all, like, his, like, sexual deviant scenes in the movie, mm-hmm. you could get rid of this one and, and have the same movie. So, the only... And I, I agree with you. Like, you know, jokes aside, like, I don't... 
Well, here's the thing. I don't think any of these scenes were necessary. Like I don't like I said, like I don't think they add anything to the movie except they don't. to just give it like that edge factor. Yeah. But um this this scene in particular, I do think that it really is only in the movie to kind of one create a divide between him and Felix. Yeah. You know, and then two to give Barry or Oliver's character like to like kind of display that she wants him or has some sort of like want of him that gives him power over her that he continues to use later on in the movie this out of the three is probably the least shocking like it's it's just gross it's just gross and it's just like oh so edgy like oh i'm a vampire i'm like oh my Mm. god fucking grown cringe but like yeah uh, well, actually, there's there's another scene. Like, basically, this movie is fucking sexual assault. The movie, <laughs> yeah. Most <laughs> if you definitely. think about it, the best thing to come out of this scene, though, I will say, is um, Felix watching him from a, from his bedroom with his. Uh, you know, this man Farley, was comfy. Farley. Com- Farley, sorry, Farley. Yeah. No, this man was comfy, comfy. You know, <laughs> like hands in front of him on laying on his stomach on his bed yep. feet up yep. feet up and comfy comfy dude watching him like oh oliver you <laughs> fool <laughs> <laughs> you silly boy <laughs> you silly boy <laughs> it serves a purpose for sure to mm-hmm. establish like to um drive some things in relationships with um what's her fucking name Vi- what's her name what was her name is it violet no not violet it was not violet uh yeah she here's the thing with her with her character while you're pulling that name up yeah like to me she's probably the the most inconsequential character yeah in this whole cast venetia like venetia like yeah like, she doesn't like there's a i mean her and the dad like i feel like are the most inconsequential characters like mm-hmm. like they could have been there they couldn't they didn't have to be you know it could have been anybody in that position you yeah know? like this really she really it feels like she really is in the movie just to be a foil off of a uh, Barry or, and just to this, just to give another layer of weirdness and eccentricity to the family, you know, um, before we get to the grave scene, um, let's talk about the assault on Farley <laughs> real quick. Cause that's another oh, okay. weird sure, scene yeah, yeah. that was just thrown in there. Um, yeah. I'm but honestly, that scene, lines. that scene does serve a purpose, which we'll get into. Um, to drive the, okay, the plot so, forward, I guess. Like, does it serve a purpose though? It does. Like, I mean, I know it does, but like, does it really? Like, did it really need to exist for that to happen? No, but like I said, this movie just throws in these scenes just to have something memorable. Because if you take these out, what are we going to talk about? Because, <laughs> like, okay, so like, let's just talk about it. Like, he, so he, the whole reason he goes in there is to frame Farley mm-hmm. uh, for trying to kick s- out of the house, uh, sell something. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so, like, yeah, like, after you jizz, you know, after sex, you know, you're probably more likely to just fall asleep, right? That's, like, a common trope that people, like, point to or whatever Mm -hmm. or just demonstrate. But it's, like, even if he did end up liking it in after at the end which, you know, this is problematic from the get-go. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, But, like, even if he did end up being okay with it at the end of it, he clearly was shocked and uncomfortable mm-hmm. at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like even if you end up 
finishing like the shock of everything just kind of happening and the clarity you would feel after it's all done you would not fucking fall asleep yeah that. i'm sorry I, I just don't think no. that would happen you know it's like one of those things where like you're aroused mm-hmm. and then once that arousal factor is gone you're like disgusted yeah you know it's like what the fuck just happened like what you know like once you eliminate that sexual desire aspect i just feel like he would become farley again and just be like like no he still hates his guts <laughs> they still do this like bickering back and forth they're thing, still rivals you know? they're still rivals but yeah so, like, honestly he could have just snuck in there while he was asleep and did the same shit but but then it even serves less whatever of a purpose, right exactly that's what i'm saying like that's what he could have done yeah. instead of doing that but this movie just wants to like be edgy and and have yeah. these weird scenes in there before that scene happens right there's like a mm-hmm. whole scene of them at a party and like they're kind of like he's kind of like also trying to like seduce him right yeah and i'm kind of disappointed that that's how it ends up happening where he just sneaks in his room and surprises him and you know like you said assaults him you know whereas oliver's become witty enough and confident enough to where i feel like he could have they could have done this in a way where he actually does like genuinely seduce him you know mm-hmm. and like that's how he that happens you know like it just feels so such a wasted opportunity for me for, well i guess uh, it, it kind of lines these in, characters to interact more you know i think it kind of lines it is in line with his character though because uh i mean spoiler alert he forces his interactions with everyone in that family mm-hmm. right like he forced mm-hmm. he schemed his interactions with felix to get close to him mm-hmm. just like he yeah. schemed he forced his way with venetia and then he forced his way with farley because none of these people necessarily want to be around him they don't actually like mm-hmm. him for him he has to mm-hmm. kind of like make his way and and force them to like him essentially um they kind of yeah. you kind of get a, a little hint of that when um felix is talking to that one girl when they're just like walking and they're mm-hmm. but this is when they were still at school and she was yeah. talking like oh well no one wants to sit next to ollie Blah, blah blah he's a weirdo blah blah blah. but like you said though like, like post post rizjiz like you know he does mm. have a turn in like how he carries himself well, how he i mean he like, still forces himself onto people no just no no, no 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 for sure not yeah. not removing that aspect out of it but mm-hmm. it's just a matter of like to me see this movie's like in conflict with itself almost right mm-hmm. where it's like yes he's like creating these interactions essentially himself and like he you know these people are basically you know caught in a trap that he sets where they have to interact with him mm-hmm. but you still have to execute right like you could set a trap all you want but you still have to execute you know said trap he creates the moments but he's able to charm and like care you know in his own way right it's not can it's not like conventional charisma charisma right mm-hmm. but like he still like is able to talk them down into like a sense of security or talk them down into a sense of like oh like i like weirdly believe you or i like i weirdly trust you even though i don't have a reason to and mm-hmm. you know you could say that the writing isn't strong enough to support that believability in that that he would be able to convince them through what he's saying like you know how he kind of sinks his teeth into the mom and Mm -hmm. how he gets the mom to really like him and bite into him Mm -hmm. you know but like if we're going with the world and the rules that this movie displays then like we're led to believe that he does have a way of speaking to people so i just feel like you didn't need to force 
him giving Farley a hand job <laughs> in the middle of the night to set that no, up. You, you, <laughs> you know, you didn't need to do that. None of this you know, was you necessary. <laughs> it was almost, it, you laid it up for yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. had him like, you know, kind of seducing him and like Farley seemingly kind of being into it, even though he knows he's not supposed to. And then like, I feel like if you had just kind of kept that scene going, it could have led to them eventually like, him talking his way up to the bedroom, them doing like this one night stand thing mm-hmm. and then him, you know, setting him up, you know, yeah. it's not edgy though. <laughs> and that's, that's fair. And listen, if that's what you want, then by all means, you know, which leads us into the grave scene, which, so I mentioned earlier that like, I don't know, man, is he, is he still acting? Because this entire scene was improvised. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that i fucking love that dude uh, so like apparently he was just supposed to like take his shirt off and then just cuddle the grave and like spoon it essentially but barry's like oh let me try something originally <laughs> originally he was supposed to be fully clothed and he was just supposed to like finger the grave intimately mm. uh and then he requested like nah <laughs> yo nah. barry's barry's my boy barry's a fucking actor bro do not fucking doubt him he wants that fucking oscar dude (laughs) my boy barry's a freak this is another scene where it's like it's so unnecessary and then considering the end of the movie like i do have a lot of thoughts about this scene and like Mm -hmm. how much it makes sense in the grand scheme of things but i'll cover that part when we kind of start talking about like what the twist is yeah i mean there's honestly not a lot to say about this scene other than like it is very much what it is you know he You know, he loses Felix due to himself. He, spoiler alert, he killed Felix. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, fucks his grave. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could, I wish I could say that there was some sort of build up to this moment that kind of laid out the path for this to happen. I mean, but slurping just, the like bathwater kind of set it up. Kind of. Yeah, sure. But like, it, it, but even that wasn't very well set up, right? So, like, it almost feels like in line with the other two or three now moments that we talked about in this movie, where like it just kind of feels like it just happens for the sake of happening. Um, I will say this: I thought the movie was going to end very soon after this scene. There was like no, a couple boy, times where I thought the movie was going to be over. And I'm like, oh wait, it's still going. One of my favorite uh, letterbox reviews that I saw for this uh, for this movie that references that scene in particular that Janet showed me was me when I find the uh, the grave of the guy that invented Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, my God. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fucking amusing. Ultimately, right, like, throughout this entire movie, through both flash... Like, so this movie is essentially a flashback, right? So it starts out with him talking to an unseen character about, was I in love with him? you know, and whatever. And you find out who him is, it, him being Felix. And then it basically shows his whole story of how he got to know Felix and how he got close to him. Right. Mm-hmm. This movie's biggest problem is it's identity. Like it's not sure what it wants to be. And it's not sure how it wants to go about being what it, you know, mm-hmm. what it is. This movie sets itself up to be like a love movie where it's like a love thriller, right. Where it's like, you know, he wants Felix, but Felix doesn't want him, you know, and this and the other. And it's just like all the weird shit he does in order to get close to Felix or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And then 
the minute Felix dies, there's like this one last hurrah, that being the him fucking the grave scene. And then it jumps to, <laughs> oh, he wants Saltburn. He wants the property. He wants the house. Yeah. And Felix almost becomes like an afterthought. So you start to question, like, what did he want all along? Did he want Felix or did he want the house? And there's you can make the argument that, you know, it starts out as him wanting Felix, but then it switches to Saltburn at a certain point Mm -hmm. because there is that really great dialogue that him and Farley have Oliver and Farley have. This is probably one of the best written scenes in the movie, in my opinion, where Farley is basically yelling at him and telling him that this is but a brief moment in his life that he's going to tell his fat kids about in the future, how he got to experience heaven for a short bit of time (laughs) and how he doesn't belong here. And that Farley will always be here because this is his home. Mm-hmm. You know, and you are just an outsider. To me, that scene is so well written and so well acted between the both of them. And like, and it's in in that moment that I feel like, okay, this is where we're supposed to believe that the switch in and happens, where he's resolved to kill Felix and then take over Saltburn eventually down the line. It's just hard for me. I don't think the movie does a good enough job of showing this conflict in him of what he wants. Mm -hmm. Like he kind of just does things and he's being weird and you're led to believe that it's for just Felix. But later on, a lot of the weird shit he did or does, you know, ends up paying off in him eventually getting the property. I wish they showed him longing for Saltburn as much as it shows him longing for Felix because it feels like the whole time Felix alive, it's all just Felix that he longs for. But now that we know the end, Mm -hmm. we know that he also has feeling like he has this longing for Saltburn. Like he wants to own Saltburn, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where like, I kind of like started to not like this movie because I, I started to see that, you know, he was playing some sort of game, you know, at post bathtub scene, right. Uh, he's talking to Elsbeth and she's talking about, um, what's her fucking face? Poor dear Pamela. Right. And then out of, yeah, out of nowhere, Oliver just goes like, oh, well, you know, if she's even telling the truth about all her stories, which I thought, okay, that's one random as fuck for him to say. So like Mm -hmm. that signal, like he's up to something like he's scheming. Like this dude is like trying to push these people out for whatever reason. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that I I wanted to point out, Oliver is this weird guy. We know that, but we don't know how kind of like psychotic he is until Mm -hmm. later on in the movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, when he's at Oxford, the first friend friend he makes, right? The first guy he interacts with is <laughs> Michael Gavey, right? Kind of psychotic as well, right? Like a Ask little weird. Yeah. <laughs> this is a movie where people recognize when someone doesn't belong and people recognize their own kind, essentially. Right? Mm-hmm. So Michael Gavey was a kind of a weird guy. He immediately honed in on Oliver being strange. And he's like, mm-hmm. you and me were alike. And it's kind of true. Like, he kind of freaks out on him, like, makes him do, like, yo, you fucking asked me what, what asked me a fucking sum. And then yeah. he does it, right? So yeah. maybe that influences later on, like, his behavior later on when he's, like, just being aggressive towards, like, the uh, Saltburn folks, right? But then mm-hmm. there's also Farley and Oliver mm-hmm. who know what each other is doing exactly. They're playing the family to get what they want. They recognize yeah. that amongst each other, right? Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So that's something they did well. I, I will give them that. But you're right. Like, 
we don't know why it becomes all of a sudden I want salt burn and I'm going to mm-hmm. like kill all of you guys. And it's that's like, my problem with this movie is that it doesn't really have a fucking message. It's just yeah. weird guy wins. Okay. Yeah. Like what the fuck like, was the point I'm, of all that? I'm very, I'm uh, super lost on like, like, so he like, obviously he creates this fabrication about his family and like his past. So that to gain some sort of sympathy from Felix. Yeah. But it's like, almost like where in him does this come from where like he has just this insatiable need to like distance himself from his family yeah and to either become a part of felix's family right like Mm -hmm. in the same way that farley is or or what actually ends up happening taking over saltburn altogether like yeah i just wish we kind of understood his motivations more better than him just being weird for what seems like just for the sake of being weird and also and also to add on to that like what did he even know about felix prior to him going to oxford and him meeting him because i don't like is he some sort of like big figure that everyone should know about like he just seemed like the typical popular guy that directly hones in on felix yeah and saying like like, oh i'm gonna scheme to like interact with this guy but like why like did he know something like did he know him prior did he know about him prior like that doesn't make it clear it's yeah it's kind of implied that he already knew of him you know which is weird though because you don't get that vibe that like felix is like some sort of like social light type figure or or anything Mm -hmm. like that um Mm -hmm. at least not to me uh yeah i thought that was super strange and then you're right once felix dies it kind of goes into this what what, what would you even call it uh like not a murder mystery but like it it becomes (laughs) Oh, I haven't seen that movie. I haven't seen that movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm going to disregard Sorry. that. I'm going to disregard that. But you know All what right. I mean? Like Sorry. the the big reveal, right? Mm-hmm. That, hey, no, this was his plan all along. Was this like, okay? And it's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame because they established the, the, the romance or the longing romance so well. Mm-hmm. They established mm-hmm. that so well to me. Like you devoted so many resources and so many moments of this movie to building up this like longing, you know, yeah. this, this want of like something that I know I can't have. Exactly. And like, I thought that was really well executed for the most part. Like I thought his longing for Felix is pretty believable. You know, even if I don't necessarily think it's justified, like I think, the journey that we're getting you're going on to get here, I think is very well done for what it is, you know, but then like the minute, like the minute he dies, like, it's just like completely irrelevant. It's like, did you even love him at all? Like, you know, because like, if they did a whole, like, if I can't have him, no one can would have made a little more sense than, mm -hmm. well, I'm just going to take the house now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like it, it just seems like he makes that decision. He comes to terms with that decision in one day. And like I said, I think it's supposed to be implied that Farley's conversation with him is what pushes him to that mm-hmm. point. That happens like right before he goes off to kill him, you know? Yeah. We're like, you know, you will never have this, you know, this isn't yours. Saltburn is heaven. But like, we're never led to believe that it's Saltburn that's heaven. It's Felix that's heaven to him, mm-hmm. you know? Like Saltburn is almost irrelevant you know there's never a part like to me in the same way that it shows him longing for felix Mm -hmm. like where he's to the point where he's sucking cum out of the bathtub 
Like if they showed more scenes of him being equally fast as fascinated with Saltburn itself, where Saltburn can then, in a way that makes sense, become the substitution for Felix. Yeah, that would have worked a lot. The ending would have worked a lot better in that sense. But because we don't really get to see his con- so why he feels this connection to Saltburn, where he wants to like take it over. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's little things that are implied. Like there's little things that like he doesn't enjoy his basic average life at home. He is infatuated with like the lives of these rich people, but he also hates them. So this movie conflicts itself. Yeah. A lot of what I was reading online about like what this movie was about was like a lot of people saying like, oh, you know, it's just it's a commentary on like the rich, uh, the generational wealth of people in like the UK because it's that's the only way you have power over there and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's fine. Like, cool. Like, eat the rich, whatever. Right. But even Mm -hmm. then, the family honestly weren't necessarily bad people that deserved their fate. Like, yeah, you could argue they were shallow, right? They they only kind of did things for their entertainment. But, like, I don't think they were, like, deviant people. At the end of the day, they were still, quote, unquote, helping people. They were still helping Farley. They were kind of helping Pamela. Yeah. Like, they didn't really do anything to deserve their fate so it didn't really work for me that was just like yeah go ollie because it's like nah this dude's fucking weird and like yeah these people are dying for no reason you know what this movie is that like what it tries to do the same thing as Hmm. is fucking joker it literally is joker it like tries to do the same thing and like joker did the impossible where like you hate the wayne family you know Mm -hmm. like it flips the wayne the script on the wayne family and you sympathize for this terrible person to this day there were people that were split on like feeling bad for arthur versus like feeling like arthur is a terrible person like that movie gets away with creating that divide which it's supposed to that's the purpose you know it's supposed to create the conversation whereas this movie tries to do that same thing you want to sympathize with ollie but then you also want people to condemn what he does and i feel like this movie is really just like no ollie's a fucking weirdo i don't necessarily feel bad for him there's nothing about him that makes me feel sad for him you know like there's things that happen where you can acknowledge like oh that's shitty like how like nobody fucking knows his name when they're saying happy birthday to him and they just start <laughs> laughing at him. But then like at that point, we already know that all is a shitty person. In and general, also it's you know? not that shitty though, because those aren't like his personal friends. It was just them again, these people. And just he being, welcomed it. Yeah. You know, it was just these people that. being shallow, which sure is a little messed up, but at the end of the day, it's still a grand gesture for this stranger that they invited to their home. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. we don't really know you that well, but we know your, your family kind of sucks. So here's a big party for you. That's what kind of like pissed me off at the end of the movie where just like, well, what the fuck was that about? What was all that for? Yeah, I think this movie just kind of struggles with its identity of like what it's trying to do. It presents itself in a way that it feels like it's trying to tell you something. Yeah. You know, and like, I just feel like what it did tell me wasn't really anything where I'm like, ah, provoking or ah, it was just it was literally just just, bad guy wins. And it just it like, told me a story. And that was like, I don't know, that left like a weird taste in my mouth, I guess. <laughs> that left like a, a cummy bath water <laughs> taste in my mouth. It's just like, okay, we just see this dude just do all this fucked up shit. And then in the end, he wins. And it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. like, and, and the thing that pisses me off about this movie is because mm-hmm. once all that shit happens, right? Once most of the movie happens, right before the final scene where he's dancing naked, you're kind of just like, well, that was fucked up. Like, 
what the mm-hmm. fuck is this movie? And then you see that dance movie, like you see that scene, he's like, oh, that's that was a good scene. <laughs> like that was great. That it was fucking awesome. conflicts you. <laughs> oh, dude, the part that I really like is like, oh, this is like super fucked up. Is when it shows him with all the rocks with their names on it that he yeah. got out of the fucking river, dude. I was yeah. like, oh my god. Which- which makes me circle back to so i told you one of the scenes that i thought was really funny which was mm-hmm. the, the the scene after felix's death and then the other one that made me laugh was when felix thought that oliver's dad died so he showed him that yeah. that ceremony and then he throws it and you just hear this solid clunk and there's just not enough water I <laughs> that one actually made me laugh too i was like oh shit that was fucking yeah. funny because it, it sets it up to, because like i said again this movie isn't that funny like not a lot mm-hmm. up until that point is very funny like there's some funny dialogue but nothing mm-hmm. like that screams comedy but then mm-hmm. this just comes out out of nowhere in such a, a tender moment it just fucking killed me dude i was like that's mm-hmm. hilarious and the you know the best part too it's like so like he throws it you hear the thud so yeah. you know it didn't hit the water when it shows it's it, it's like, it, it's, <laughs> the well, it's like it's like it's like vomit i think it's like, oh, it it's vomit? like al- i think it's like alcohol like there's like a beer bottle and vomit so it's like it because it works because it's supposed to be his dad who was an alcoholic yeah right so it's like almost like symbolic Damn, it, it also foreshadows like, felix's death in that aspect too mm, yeah yeah listen. see there's a lot of hey, foreshadowing listen. in this movie i will say there's things where like there's like and maybe that's where like some of the disappointment from this movie comes from it's like there's so many moments where it's just like oh that's really good or like oh that's really clever but then like there's other moments where it's just like was that necessary do we need to yeah. do that so, like like yeah the the whole thing with the reveal is like it wasn't clever at all it was mm-hmm. just like oh no by the way this was all this was what was really happening and you're just like why <laughs> like also what pissed me off was when he sees Elsbeth in the fucking cafe again right and it's like yeah. years after you know husband died mm-hmm. or whatever and mm-hmm. then you see him meet up and then like it cuts to the reveal scene where he's just like typing nonsense like <laughs> there was no point in him typing lorem bro. ipsum bro like you didn't need to show no that fucking <laughs> point dude and it's like i hate like and i've said this before i think in other episodes we've done i hate when movies treat their audience like idiots <laughs> like there was no point. Like we could surmise that he was like typing gibberish, you know, or, or just typing. You could like, even whatever. leave that whole. You could just leave the laptop off. Like he was just there waiting for her. Does the same yeah. thing, makes it less stupid. Yeah. Like okay, so like even if you have him working on a laptop, like okay, cool. We know at this point, we know because the movie's already revealed that he's he's setting everything up. up. He's setting everything up. So like it's so unnecessary to show his screen there. Like yeah. it's just so unnecessary you know because and you know why like i feel like he's like people will be like oh like that's such a small scene like why does it matter like it's irrelevant like yeah but like i spent time dedicated to like thinking and like and like deciphering what i'm seeing on the screen like because like it shows and i'm like like wait what what was happening like i don't like, and i was like oh like they were just showing him like not doing anything on that computer and that he was just waiting for her, which okay yeah duh i i kind of yeah. figured that part out already yeah there's scenes that you could just take out of this movie and it would make it better, you know? Like I okay, I, I don't so another unnecessary scene was mm-hmm. when they're all laying out in the field fucking naked and then they get Felix to do that. To me, like was that just a setup scene for the very last scene where he dances naked? Like what the fuck was the point of that? Oh, dude, dude. It, like to me, that movie was that that shot, that scene was purely made for the trailer. <laughs> like this was something that was purely that we shot purely just so we could include it in the trailer. 
You could do the because whole like, fucking Marvel thing where you shoot, you make a scene specifically for trailers, and then it's just not in the movie. Yeah, and I agree. And like, because like I watched that 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 scenes in the trailer. Like they show, like they show parts of that scene in the trailer. Okay, you know, and it's like meant, and like my impression at least when I see it in the trailer is like, oh, like that's weird. Like, why is he naked? Like, what reason does he have to be naked out in this field? It's the gay you know bait, what I'm man. They're gay baiting. Yeah, dude. So it's like, <laughs> but then like they show other scenes too. In like, so another scene oh. that was in the trailer is like the whole conversation with uh, him and the mom and how. Uh, the mom's like, you know, bitching about Venetia and like, oh, I had like a lesbian phase too. Oh. You know? I don't know what purpose this serves, you know, and maybe like I missed something or mm. whatever, but like I just don't understand like why this conversation really needs to happen. At least this part of the conversation. I think this is also the same conversation where he starts to like, yeah, plant the seed, plant the seeds, you know, of like Pamela and shit. Yeah. But like still, like it's just like, but um, speaking of you know, gay baiting, dude, so. In the very beginning, when he's talking about Felix and how he loved him, right? It, it cuts to like a montage of different scenes happening. And there's mm-hmm. one where he's like crying on the bed. Where he's like, ah! and I thought, mm-hmm. oh my God, we're going to get a butt sex scene. <laughs> and he's going to like, he's fucking like taking that D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, this movie's going to be gay as hell. And then, like we said earlier, not that gay, man. Not that yeah. gay. Straighter yeah, than you he think. Stuck his, he stuck his dick in something else that was dirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, though, like, he did just, like, straight up fuck some dirt. <laughs> he did fuck some dirt. <laughs> he just fucked you know, some dirt. Like, I would imagine that they also buried Felix face up. So, like, what are you really fucking theoretically? Damn. <laughs> it's just, you're just touching dicks at that point. So, actually, you know? um, this is something I didn't notice on my watch through. But something I read mm-hmm. about and then went back to, to see it. In the first breakfast scene, they were talking about like the doppelganger thing. Yeah. And how when you see your doppelganger, you die. Uh-huh. So in that scene, when they're talking about it, uh, I believe it, maybe it's Venetia who's talking, who's telling mm-hmm. the story. And then Felix goes, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And her shot, a doppelganger of Felix walks by the window. Uh uh-huh. He's like wearing the same like pink shirt and has like the same hairstyle. But they're in the house at this point. Like, who the fuck is that? It was just foreshadowing his death again. Which, okay, sure. But like for it to happen at the house is just kind of weird. You know, like it's just like that's their property. Like they would be aware of whoever's walking around. The I don't think it was like a real person. Like, I think that was just like a like a, sh- a foreshadowing of Felix is going to die. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I it was like di- anyone on property. It, he's literally just in the background. He, it's blurry. Like he's literally just walking past the window. Which, yeah. okay, sure. Whatever. You know, I, I would have maybe done it differently where it's like maybe that scene where he finds that out or hears that happens at the school where it could actually be like someone that just looks like him, a doppelganger, if you will. I honestly just think and, it's like a little Easter egg. It's nothing like that's supposed to be like, well, I mean, but here's the thing, right? Like if you're saying it, it, it could be alluding to his future death and it's at that point, it's more than an Easter egg, right? It is serving a purpose. Well, I think know? it's one of those things. Like if you happen to catch it, you catch it. If you don't, you don't, it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter if you do or matter if you don't, it's just a, a neat little detail, something for mm-hmm. the IMDB trivia page. <laughs> You know, I I don't think it works as well. That you know, I think it could have been executed better. Well, That's I mean, just my opinion. Well, I mean, you didn't even notice it, right? So it doesn't even matter. It's irrelevant. It's just no, a it cool doesn't... little feat, like a little detail that if you happen to catch it, you're like, oh, cool. 
possibly on your second watch through, you know, but I don't think it was anything major. (laughs) I know. I'm just saying could have been cooler. (laughs) I mean, this movie could have been better. This whole thing could have been better, but here we are. Let's go back to the beginning for a little bit, because I think we've been focusing a lot on like the uh, the edge shit. Mm -hmm. Right. So the beginning of this movie, I think, starts out really fucking strong. Like really dude, strong. Dude, from the open, like, like the, the opening graphic titles are sick, mm-hmm. dude. I was yeah. like, oh, this is cool. I like the aesthetic they're going for. I like like this panning shot we're we're doing, this establishing establishing shot. Like, cool. I'm excited for where this is going. Yeah, like this movie essentially is like almost a different movie when it takes place at Oxford. You know, it's basically a romantic romantic drama with some like comedy elements sprinkled here and there. Um, the way they execute this movie in the beginning where it is the more romantic drama type before it becomes the romantic thriller yeah. drama, whatever. I think they really did an, a great job of just having that familiarity or like comfortness that comes with watching those kinds of movies and like, you know, all the cute little moments that you kind of come to expect happen where it's like them having like little interactions here and there that gradually grows over time. And then like the little, you know, moments that they have between each other where it's like, do, will they, won't they, do they, don't they want each other type yeah. things. Felix was a fucking it, tease, bro. He's really a fucking tease. Like where <laughs> he kisses him on the tease. cheek and shit like that. Yeah. Or when he's like chilling yeah, in like, his room in his fucking boxers. But then, you know, obviously they sprinkle in like the little bits of him being weird in there as well. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, this might be going a little too personal, so that hopefully none of them are, like, listening in. But, like, Janice, my wife, grew up hanging out around a lot of, like, preppy white kids that come from parents that, you know, had, you know, some money. These types of kids that, you know, it's, like, it's really only something you could understand if you've met people like this. But it's, like, that thing where it's, like, they want to express themselves and be out in the world, but they also have a certain, like, comfortability that comes with them that only comes from when you kind of know you kind of have like a safety net. Mm-hmm. Like these are like the type of kids that like, they're going to go out and pursue being a musician and living in like places that where they're paying crazy rent and they're living like very poorly in these areas. But like the stakes like, are still pretty okay. low. The stakes are relatively low because they know there's somewhere they can go if things don't really work out, you know? So they're still like, they still have like those eyes about it. Like they're not jaded about, you know, pursuing their dreams or whatever. They have like a certain way that they go about hanging out with each other and being like, and this movie, I feel like captures like those kinds of kids very like perfectly in my opinion. Like they listen to this kind of music, like the killers and block party and like all this alternative indie shit, you know, like they, you know, do like very aesthetic. Like, is there anything more like Tumblr than playing tennis in tuxedos and dresses? (laughs) Like that is such a fucking Tumblr fucking, you know, like picture if I've ever seen one. It's very of the time, and I think it really works a lot well. So I just want to give the movie the credit for that because I think I've met people like the people that are in this movie. (laughs) So uh, something I noticed that I thought was pretty cool because it kind of relates to us was uh, Felix and Venetia had like Mm. star tattoos. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I was like, oh, we as siblings have matching star tattoos with all of our siblings did adrian end up getting his actually i didn't even yeah see he has it he has it yeah is his actually on his chest yeah <laughs> <laughs> right here <laughs> yo <laughs> all right yeah close yeah. to his heart i guess i wanted him to get it uh around his belly button like <laughs> like a star here star here star here star like here, batista right here like batista <laughs> with the sun yeah exactly okay is it just me 
Or is Jacob Elordi kind of like this generation's Robert Pattinson in a way? I don't know why. I, I just get those vibes from him. I could see him becoming that for sure. Like he's like standard hot white dude, right? You know, it's a passing of the torch. You know, you mm-hmm. you had you had a high school musical guy, Zach Efron. You Zac have Zach Efron. Efron, right? Then it kind of passed, you know, down to Robert Pat. I don't know who would have inhabited, you know, had that in between time. But then, yeah, and then he falls like in the same. I just feel like yeah, guys. I feel like they have such a same like same vibe. Like if you were to put if this movie came out actually in like 2006 and you put Robert Pattinson in his role, like it's like, I feel like you get the same like sincerity and all that same vibes. Well, like it was funny. You say you mentioned Rob Patton. Like we're now talking about twilight is because both movies exuberate like that indie alternative angst, you know, where it's like, well, twilight's a little bit more on the softer side, but like, you know, it's like that same kind of thing. You know, it's very much like the indie kids of this specific time were like this is what they were like you know <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah, yeah it kind of made i i get what you're saying like it's funny that you connected that what okay. did you think about the reveal that he was lying so when you go to meet his family i saw it coming. so yeah i think the setup for it was just really random yeah right? like i think like i think we kind of just fell into this if i'm oliver right and like i'm this sadistic fuck right who's willing to do these extreme things that i've already shown that i'm capable of doing yeah i just feel like he could have done more to prevent him even getting there right like jump out of the car well, you know be dramatic yeah let's take you it <laughs> let's take it a, a step further back why even make that story up like how did you know saying that your dad died would bring you closer to this person again they don't really do a good job of how he would know this but yeah it's implied that he's aware that his family and, and he himself have this like savior complex almost where it's like, if you look at Farley, like Farley mm-hmm. and his mom are going through a rough time and you can, you see that he's doing, he's kind of taking care of Farley and taking care of, you know, his mom, you know, mm-hmm. and then like Pamela who's having like a hard time and going through, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's kind of implied that they have this thing where, they take people in to kind of like take care of them for a little bit. But as soon as they get kind of sick of them or they're over them, they kind of just like push them back out. You know, Mm -hmm. they're like, as Venetia puts it, they're toys. Yeah. Which, you know, which I understand, but it's also like, again, you're right. They just don't do a good job establishing like what this family's reputation is or like how people know about it. But even uh, Mm -hmm. going, sorry, jumping back further forward, um, when Venetia keeps mentioning like, oh, you know, or all of them actually like, oh, you're better than the last one, blah, 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 blah. It's like, why did Ollie not even question like what happened to that person? Or mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Right? Yeah. Like, it's just so weird. Like, are we supposed to know just these, this family's reputation? Because it seems yeah. like he knew, like he wasn't even questioning it. Like, yeah, there was one guy before it. Now it's my time, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was just so weird. Yeah, it's just like, again, it's like one of those things where like they give you hints that it's the family that's the weird ones, but then they just kind of disregard it. And it's like, okay, like, is there something weird about this family or not? Like, yeah, it's like, 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 yeah, go ahead. No, the, the only thing I was going to say is, is what I've said before is, just, yeah, they just seem very shallow. It's just very like, hey, I'm going to record this good deed I'm doing. You know what I mean? That type mm. of vibe. But like, other than that, like, I didn't really think they were that bad. <laughs> 
another thing too, like, right, like, so, like, it's revealed that he is the one that killed Felix and he killed Venetia. Mm-hmm. So there's a period of time where we don't know how long it's been since he's been away from Saltburn. So, like, what has he been doing this whole time? Like, they should have at least, because, like, it's you could reasonably think or assume that he maybe was still keeping an eye on Saltburn to, like, continue pulling strings you're saying but they don't ever you're, you're saying after uh the dad like paid him to leave yeah okay right because like there's a time skip essentially right because right, he, he Where, kills felix he kills venetia um does he get farley kicked out by then I, he must so have that's, a, that's that's another thing too the farley thing doesn't really resolve itself so like he gets farley kicked out that first time right because they think he's gonna steal the dish or and sell he was it, trying right? to sell it yeah Farley comes back and it's not an issue because again, he's like, well, it's my home. And then it's never acknowledged that the parents were just okay with him being there again. He, they just were right. So that's mm-hmm. one weird thing that kind of just happens that we're just well told to, to accept, right. That he's always going to be welcomed back no matter what. But then like he gets kicked out the second time mm-hmm. when he reveals that Farley was just doing Coke or whatever. Was that not at while- the scene? Where they're having the breakfast scene, the after Felix died. Yeah, that's when that happens. Where he like reveals that Farley was like fucked up. Okay, or whatever so yeah, that was while- that was right after the party, and right. So that was yeah. like the night after. So they kick him out pretty quick. It's not like he lingers after uh, he comes back the first time. No, but he's even there, right? Like the fact that he's even there, at the party. Like, yeah, and even sitting at the dinner table with them, like, bro, we kicked you out. <laughs> like, what are you still doing here? But no, he's there, and then they kick him out again. And then that's the last we ever see of him. There needs to be something that should have been there to fill in the gap. Well, so maybe he, sh- he implied. So uh, Oliver implied that Felix contributed to his death by giving him drugs. Cause that's why he's like, Oh, you were mm-hmm. the one bumping lines or taking blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of framing but, it as, as in like, Oh, Farley was responsible for Felix dying and like, okay. And then they're like, fuck like, off. You're done. <laughs> and so like, okay, so that's, that's the last, straw, that's the last, right. Yeah. Right there. Like, they should have sold that a little bit better. Because they do this thing where they make it seem like he couldn't really do wrong. Like, he was going to be accepted back no matter what. I understand. Being a contributor to their son dying is probably the last straw for most people in that scenario. But, like, we just got done being told that this guy has, like, a strong bond with his family to where he will be accepted back. And then you break that bond immediately. I think it's to show his arrogance with his Maybe. relationship with the family I, you know what i mean sure i could see that yeah you know it just feels weird because like this family it's really weird when and where this family chooses to care with felix dying like they're like so emotionless about it right like they're so like to just try to get over it like obviously they're hurting and like yeah. you know they're they're struggling but like there's not hurting enough to where they just allow themselves to grieve and take it in it's like, like a different still, type of hurt to me it's like okay like you're displaying that this family just tries to move past things or whatever so like again it's like it just doesn't make sense to me it would have made more sense in my opinion like okay like oliver's basically implying farley was indirectly or directly involved with felix's death mm-hmm. so then a way to get him out of the picture and seemingly for good to where he wouldn't contest oliver eventually taking over saltburn is the dad maybe is like oh you are responsible for my son's death like mm-hmm. i'm gonna get the law involved and you're done because he is now permanently tied to mm-hmm. felix's death 
I don't know if you got this vibe from Farley, but like it's kind of they kind of like do things to imply that he's just as not just as cunning, but he's close to being as cunning or conniving as no that's that's why i pointed out earlier where this movie does a good job of like seeing like uh people identify who they identify with like who they they Mm -hmm. see themselves in other people and that's exactly what farley saw in oliver and vice versa you know i mean they both knew what they were doing they're both playing the game the same game given what they've shown us about farley like i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that there would have been an attempt for him to stop oliver taking over or him seeing what yeah. oliver's doing from afar and like in like trying to put it into it or basically him take over Saltburn. you know like so a thing that this movie there. does that pisses me off is they take the two best relationships in the movie and just do nothing with them and end them so abruptly which is oliver and felix and oliver and farley it's like you mm-hmm. said they just kind of wrap things up like felix dies and then farley goes away and then mm-hmm. All the strong points yeah. of the movie, all the interesting parts of the movie are now gone. Now you're just seeing this weirdo do his thing and it's just like, sure. <laughs> cool. Thanks well, for that. It's Well, it's like, you know, it's like Batman and Joker. You know, it's like, you you need me. <laughs> kill you. I don't, I kill you. I can't kill live you. without you. I can't live without you. It's like, yeah, because like the minute you remove like both of those foils, right? So like mm-hmm. there's on one end there's his motivation for doing things right? yeah and on the other end there's his rival in uh, trying to achieve you know the thing that they both want you yeah. know which is felix and saltburn and once you remove both of those factors from the equation now we're just like you said we're, like, we're just left with like a fucking crazy person and just <laughs> it's it become you know story-wise it becomes far less interesting because yes. you're really unsure like what you're supposed to care about or what's driving this person to do things yeah. because the salt, the salt burn angle is just not believable, right? Like, mm-hmm. let, let's just like say that for a matter of fact, like they didn't do enough to sell me on salt burn being a equal player in yeah. this game in terms of like wants and needs, you yeah. know, we get a great dance scene out of it. You know, it's <laughs> awesome. And like that Barry does an awesome job of selling that scene really well to where you're still intrigued or interested in this character you know or entertained rather I, when i watch that scene it's so well done and it's so charismatic and so just we we, we as the audience you, we get rizzed you want to but we that, get rizzed like you, exactly what happened to like, farley and and fucking venetia we got rizzed bro you you want to feel what he's feeling yeah you know this is supposed to be like a victory lap but like i don't because i don't have a connection nor do i see or feel the connection that he has towards this victory towards achieving his goal of getting salt burn because i didn't even know that was his goal until three quarters into the movie (laughs) so let me ask you something do you have a favorite scene in this movie like if you had to go watch this movie and just pick out a scene to watch what's the first one you're going to dude pause but it might be besides the dancing besides the dancing dancing. (laughs) okay okay removing the uh the feeling i feel for block party in that song um I, it would have been that but like that's not there's not really much to that scene right. other than the song yeah you know so it would have to be the argument between him and far like well the part where farley is like telling him like you will never be like you know you will never be a part of this you know you're just going to reminisce about it when you're older with your mm-hmm. you know children and how you got to experience heaven like that whole scene i think is just done extremely well and written really well and like i thought it was a very 
just awesome character moment for Farley in particular, but also like for Oliver to just like take it all in. Like I, I enjoy that scene a lot. I think that scene's probably my favorite scene. That, that's a good scene. Now that you talked about it in that way, it definitely makes me appreciate that scene a lot more than mm-hmm. I originally like uh, did. Mine, no surprise. I keep talking about it is the, the scene after Felix's death is just so unhinged and just <laughs> everyone's different reaction to things. And, you know, it makes it pretty obvious that Ollie killed him or had some involvement in it because he's just the one who's just like so unshocked and unfazed by even just finding Felix's body. Um, you could just tell by his reaction that like, okay, yeah, you're, you're sketch, but mm-hmm. just was, was your jumper son. <laughs> <laughs> that one was actually, that was pretty sad though. Cause you could tell the dad is just not. He's not wanting right. to process it. He's he's trying to like believe his son's not dead. You know, he's he's coping with the shock. You know, it, it's framed in a funny way, but I actually felt like really sad. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, that I can't imagine, right? Like you're feeling like the emotions that he's going through, just trying to like not believe it. And then mm-hmm. them just trying to seemingly get past it and just no one else is having it. <laughs> just like this is finally finally when felix is dead is when everyone just starts to address like how weird things are with fucking oliver here and it's just it's such a good scene it's just it was really like one of my like and then the fucking curtains being red and just adding to the tension like oh like that scene is just amazing i i really love that scene in the same way that like um like you were saying how like i kind of like made you realize that oh that scene actually is really well done like you talking about this is like oh okay yeah i could see like this scene is really well done and i really i didn't appreciate it as much mm-hmm. in the moment when it was happening until you know until you kind of talking it through and i'm like oh yeah like i think the way they executed a lot of the things in that scene was like really well done and just it was really well shot yes like like there's like a part in the movie where they're all just kind of having their own individual freakouts and it's like mm-hmm. cutting from one person to the other. And then you see like Venetia overpouring the wine. Yeah. Farley just like fucking having a like, like horrific. Why breakdown. are we, why are we acting like nothing happened? Like, yeah, just yeah. insane. Yeah. And then Oliver just playing the game, dude, just, Oh, what a fucking sleaze, dude. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't like want a him, just, him just like trying to continue to have like normal conversations. Yeah, oh, like, I was like, oh God, man, damn. dude. Yeah, that yeah. scene is amazing to me. I will say this. Yeah. Um, so after that scene, right, we get kind of Venetia. We get a scene of Venetia before she dies bathing in Felix's bathroom. And then there's that moment between her and Oliver where they, they kind of make out a little bit and he's wearing his 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 robe. <laughs> his fucking cologne um do you think that was like a slight nod to like incest incest and like the royal family type shit where like she was kind of into her brother in some weird way i mean probably right like i could i could definitely see that right like i kind of thought that was a little jab i mean it's even like there's that in ancient like not ancient but like in like older times you know it was like a belief that like you keep relationships in yeah. the family if you're like a pure bloodline yeah right incest has always been like associated with like wealth you know and rich Royalty. families royal families you know that's always like but i think so like, yeah i could definitely see it being like a nod to that yeah you know? that's kind of the vibe i got 
Well, he, you even, we even get like a little tiny nod to it in the beginning of when he gets to Saltburn, where he just casually mentions that he, oh, this is where I accidentally fingered my my cousin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, as he's going. Can I just say that that tour of the house is awesome. It's Dude, so well shot. My favorite line: it, "Dead rally, dead rally, rally. <laughs> dead rally." <laughs> it's like Jesus. This is the blue room. It's blue. So I I also <laughs> read that like his uh his dance scene was supposed to mirror that tour that he got from felix yeah so i was like oh see this movie does some things really cool and really well and just like yeah Mm -hmm. that's awesome but then it just ah that fucking story at the end just fucking falls apart it's one of those things where like you just saw the most beautiful figure skating routine you've ever seen but they like stumbled a little bit here and there and then towards the end they just had like that really big fall that just brought it down <laughs> from like a nine to like a seven or something you know like yeah. germany just gave you a fucking three my guy what are you doing that being said let's get into rating this movie i'm not gonna lie after i watched it my score was pretty low you know much like a hand job in the middle of the night from your rival you Maybe enjoyed it during the moment, but after it was all said and done, you realized just how fucking gross it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, so should we? Well, I, I'm, let me let me just get my score out of the way. Yeah. then. because um, mine's probably going to be. I don't know. If I don't know. I honestly word, don't know. Like, so, like, with all my gripes on this movie, in terms of like how it was handled or how I maybe would have liked to see things done a little bit differently or whatever, or how I think that it would have been better if it was done this way. I'm not a filmmaker, so like my opinion doesn't mean anything. But mm-hmm. like, I just feel like I would have liked things better if it handled certain things differently. But either way, I still had a lot of fun. Like, I would definitely watch this movie again. I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I think it was a fun ride. You know, I don't think it's as competent or as like um, clever artsy as or clever. Yeah, clever is probably the better word. Clever as it maybe thinks it is. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, and I would definitely recommend it to people. Like, I think it's something I definitely would say, like, give it a chance. And I want to talk to you about it afterwards. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, that's, let's have that, conversation. that is a good key phrase you know? that I'm going to put in my score because that's exactly how I feel that. Go on. Yeah. Uh, so without, without all being said, I give this movie a 3.5. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so after I watched this movie, because it was so hyped, I was like, that wasn't as good as I thought it would be. Like mm. people were raving about this movie saying it was so good. And I was just like, ah, oh, you know, like, like that wasn't really that great. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really feel anything. I'm like, yeah, the weird scenes did their job and like stuck in my mind and were just fucking weird. But other than that, like I didn't really care for this movie, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a movie that you appreciate after the fact, when you start talking about it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's a good conversational movie. Like, Mm-hmm. I'm just I just want to know people's thoughts on it. So my original rating was a two and a half. I thought it was pretty average. Okay. You, because you take away those yeah. weird scenes, there's nothing for you. Like there's nothing spectacular there in the movie. Yeah. But upon talking about it and kind of I sort of rewatched it. Like I, I started it but didn't finish it. I I kind of started to gain more of an appreciation for it. So I'm gonna bump it up to a three. I think it's a good movie. I think everyone should watch it just to see what their thoughts are <laughs> on yeah. it. It would have been a great movie to watch in theaters. Just to hear a crowd reaction to those weird scenes would have been yeah. pretty fun, I think. There's going to be a movie that we eventually talk about 
that it, it's in my hopes and dreams to eventually talk about that. Like I'm going to like, I'll, I'll retell the story when that time comes, but like, you know, it's funny that you said what you said, because like there was a movie that uh, I watched, I came out of the theater and I was just like, I fucking did not like this movie. I like, I actually think like, it wasn't even like, I didn't like this movie. Like, I think I hate this movie, <laughs> but then I wanted to talk to people about it and how much I hated it. Mm-hmm. And then like, I would talk about it with various people over and over and over again. And it got to a point where it was like a month later and I'm still like talking about it and wanting to talk about it. And I eventually was like, do I secretly like this movie? Cause I just <laughs> always want to like talk about it. Like I always want to bring it up. And in doing that, eventually like I just started to really gain an appreciation and admiration for this movie. And like, I basically talked myself into liking it. And now it's like one of my favorite. You know what I'm ever. realizing again is this movie is once again, rising us up and mm-hmm. giving me that fucking hand job in the middle of the night with spit. Because originally, you know, I was like, ah, I don't really like it. And I'm like, well, Maybe I do kind of like it. Maybe, maybe it's a three. You know what I mean? So fuck, man. Saltburn, baby. It's a fun movie. Like, I, I think it's fun. Like, I think it not being as weird as I maybe initially thought it would be kind of helps it in a way because, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's like strangely comfortable because you kind of can predict or understand where it's going to go. And, like, you know, like the stakes, once you kind of, especially upon second watches, yeah, you're like, the stakes are gone now at that point. Like, you can just enjoy this movie for what it is at yeah. that point, you know? So I could definitely see it being something that people enjoy more as they watch it more than once. Mm-hmm. Because, again, like, the stakes are inconsequential almost. You know, you come to find out. And yeah. that's a shitty, that is a <laughs> shitty thing at, when you first watch it. But upon second viewing, it's like once you're kind of over it, then it's like, okay, like you what know, is here is pretty good. Everyone thinks they want a realistic movie where the bad guy wins sometimes. But then when you get it, you're just kind of like, uh. <laughs> what do you think of like the common trend we're seeing these days of like a 24 baiting, right? Like, and I hate that we have to talk about it in that way because it shouldn't be that way mm-hmm. but like let's just not let's like let's be honest with ourselves and like, let's just talk about things like a24 is clearly like set an expectation and standard for like what people kind of expect and it's shown to work like it's garnered yeah. interest and i feel like you're starting to see more and more movie studios like big movie studios kind of ride that train and like create movies that are a24 like I, th- I think I'm okay with it because it'll be like entry level A24 movies to where mm-hmm. I think it'll help set up A24 to become even more successful. Yeah. Because Lord, Lord knows that we need it. Yeah. Cause it'll, it'll get them to, to give these weird movies a chance more. You know what I mean? Like if these, if these big studios are putting out movies that are A24 esque, but then are muddled to where they're easily digestible. Like this movie is, you know what I mean? It kind of gives people like, oh, you know, what? I kind of like sort of weird things. And then it'll, it'll yeah. drive them to delve further into like weird shit. Yeah, I do think it's ultimately like a good thing because like, like you kind of rely A24 to just fucking be weird for the sake of being yeah. weird. And you either really like it or you really hate it. You know, like this where it kind of just puts on the mask of being weird, mm-hmm. but then it actually isn't like I think that's great because like you need something like that every now and then like there's yeah. times where i don't want to watch something that's like overtly weird like i just want to watch something yeah you know where i could kind of feel or understand where it's going to go or wherever it goes it's not like 
shocking or like confusing you know mm-hmm. like i just want to be able to understand i want to be able to watch a movie and just understand it you know like i don't <laughs> want to have to like yeah read up on it or whatever so you know i i do like the idea of other studios gravitating towards that i just worry that it waters down what a24 is doing over time right That's, that would be my only concern because i think they were operating within a niche that they fully dominated and owned where it's like you can rely on them to put out things that other studios just are not putting out yeah and that that's what made movies interesting for a while is that we had the things that we were comfortable with and understood. And then whenever I want to feel weird or feel like artsy or just watch something that I've never seen before, then I could come here for it. Yeah. But now if everybody starts doing it, then it's like, you know, like it just because I don't know, like I'm just kind of concerned for like if it gets watered down. Like so I could see both sides. I, yeah. guess I could see something being entry level and making things like interesting ideas more popular to do yeah within movies and then i could also see it like you know if everything becomes an a24 it's, movie then does a24 ever stand out ever again yeah you know but i i don't think major series are going to be pumping out weird movies like this constantly um you know what i mean like i don't think yeah it's something we got to worry about to that extent it, i think it's going to be fine i think it's good that these studios are trying things out i don't think it'll ever become to a point where they just pump it out yeah um, well and even it, like maybe not pump it out but like i definitely can see it being something where they utilize these movies strategically and i'm not a fucking mm-hmm. business major or anything like i don't know maybe this is just fucking bullshit but like i could see it to where maybe these aren't necessarily movies that need to be in theaters yeah you know i could see it yeah. as we make these kinds of movies to push platforms yeah you know, we don't need to put this movie in theater, you know, because we probably know and understand that it's not going to bring like a large general audience. But if we put it on our streaming service exclusively, then it could at least potentially, you know, bring in revenue that way more successfully because you're going to get those people that are going to word of mouth it and gradually get people to come and watch it instead of having to try to cram as many people watching it into a two week you know, period at a movie theater, you know? Mm-hmm. So Saltburn gets a 3.3 from the Nosebleed AV Club. Definitely mm. worth the watch um, just just to see how you feel about it. <laughs> and you can let us know what, how you feel about it. Will you feel salty or will you feel burned well, by the movie? Geez. You know? Are you going to taste <laughs> cummy bath water or... is it gonna make you want to stick your dick in dirt i don't know or dance naked who knows finger your cousin (laughs) (laughs) that's not me talking about how this movie's gonna make you feel i'm just telling you to do it just do it (laughs) incest is wincest (laughs) anyways oh my god okay so you can find us on instagram at nosebleed av club you could also find us on tiktok same handle. I don't know if it's done by the time this uh, episode will release, but our website hosting all our rankings of the movies we reviewed and talked about are on there. And you can find that at nosebleedav.club. We are trying to get Saltburn by the end of the week. So if you could go on all our stuff, give us a follow. Um, rate and review our podcast on apple podcasts and uh, spotify give us that rating give us that review tell your friends to go listen to us and we're trying to get big enough we're trying to get big enough to where when we both die people try to fuck our graves yes 
Yeah. You know? Let's form that parasocial relationship where you're going to want to fuck our graves. Actually, let's not, because you might put us in them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is off the rails, so we're going to sign off now. Peace. (laughs) 